All right, I'm going to have a picture to show you to start out with. So let's, uh, let's put that picture. You guys know who that is, right? Well, if you're, if you're 30 or older, you probably know who that is. Uh, this is from a few good men, right? Colonel Nathan R. Jessup, famous for what? What is that you can't handle the truth. That's right. And, uh, you know, uh, now, of course, we, he was put on trial, and we know that he was mistaken in his perspective. Uh, but, but he does pick up on a theme of human existence. Lies are nice to have around to protect us from the truth. Lies are nice to have around to protect us from the truth. That's why, like, the, the concept that he was picking up on is, if I were really honest about what I was doing, you would not be able to handle my honesty. And so we create lies and structures of something less than truth so that we don't have to deal with truth. So uh, truth is inconvenient. Truth is uncomfortable. Truth often comes with consequences. Uh, Truth, for what it's worth, often stands between us and our dreams, right? Imagine that I wanted to be like a movie star or something, and I wanted to start after that career right now. The truth would be, Alex, that's a very bad idea for you to go down that road, right? Like, you should not be uh, making that decision to go down that pathway because, uh, well, I mean, there are numerous reasons, but let's just be realistic, the truth says your likelihood of having any success in that realm is extremely low, right? Right, truth calls us to account. We have to do something with truth, right? If, if, we, like, if something is just like almost true, you don't have to do anything with it, right? But when you figure out that it's actually true, it requires you to do something with it, right? It's much easier to deal with things that are maybe not true or things that are even maybe just possible because I don't have to answer for those things. Imagine that I have a termite problem in my house. You might think that I want to know that I have a termite problem in my house, but you know what? Some people don't want to know that they have a termite problem in their house, right? Because they don't want to have to deal with it. It's too much of a problem. It's too much, uh, you know, it's, it goes on. Maybe I'll, ha- I'll have this house sold by the time that that termite problem actually comes to bear on the house. Maybe I can get out of here before that. But I don't want to know because I don't want to have to deal with it, right? So we resist truth. That's something that's inside of us. Uh, we don't want to have to deal with truth, right? That thing from my past that uh, I barely acknowledge even happened, right? I want to resist that. I don't want to have to deal with that. That thing that I aspire to be that might not be realistic, right? Uh, That reality that I have as much responsibility for damaging the relationship as they do, right? The, The reality that the habit of a substance actually does have control over me to admit that, right? We don't, we don't naturally do those things. Plain truth is hard to bear, and we are particularly adept at avoiding it. We're really good at avoiding it. In fact, uh, Romans 1.18 says that is like the key part of human experience, right? 
says that the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness of men who, uh, and this is the key part, uh, the, the most significant thing that the, the, the Apostle Paul could say about like what is true about our unrighteousness is that we suppress the truth. We put the truth away. We don't deal with the truth. Part of our condition, actually, is that we can't handle the truth. Right, so, uh, so last week, uh, and actually for the past several weeks, we've been considering this word op-ord, operation orders, right? Uh, this military term talking about a commanding officer's orders about how a field mission will be conducted, right? And in an op-ord, you could see things like what are the risks? What's the mission objective? Uh, how are we going to accomplish the things that we have to get done? Who will give orders in the field? And the reason we talked about that is because in John 14 through 16, Jesus is giving his disciples operation orders, right? Because what he's doing is he's going away, he's going to a different place, and where he's going, his disciples cannot come with him, right? He's made that clear time and time again. Where I am going, you cannot come. In fact, Jesus is now literally hours away from being arrested. That's like the next thing that's going to happen. So he right now is with his disciples and he is giving them a plan for how they are to carry out the mission while he's gone. And so, so this is, there's the, kind of this problem in his going away because up to this point, with a few exceptions, Jesus has been the one doing the work. Right? He's been leading the disciples where they need to go. He's been determining who uh, to talk to. Like when they uh, present their message and primarily when Jesus presents his message, he determines who he's going to talk to about that message and when he's going to talk to them. He's been carrying out healings and casting out demons and he's been teaching and he's been directing things and he's been leading and they've been going with him. And so in their mind, if he goes, how will they know what to say? How will they know who they are supposed to go to? How are they even to know where to go? How will they have any power? Like there was that one time when Jesus sent a bunch of them out and he said, uh, I'm, I'm giving you power. The Holy Spirit is giving you power to kind of go and cast out demons and to heal and to preach the kingdom of God. Uh, but that was just like that one time. How are they going to have power if Jesus is not there? If he goes, they have no commanding officer. John 14, 16 through 17 says this. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Remember, these disciples, they do not have a New Testament yet. We have a New Testament now. They don't have one then. Many of these guys, in fact, will use their pens to write the New Testament. How will they do that if Jesus is gone? How will they preach a message when Jesus is gone? How will they know what is true when Jesus is gone? Jesus says to them, I'm sending you a helper, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. He has been with you as I've been with you, right? And we see this when Jesus was baptized. We hear a voice 
from heaven saying, this is my son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And uh, the, the, uh, John the baptizer, he sees the Holy Spirit falling like a dove from heaven uh, on Jesus, right? And we are meant to understand this is the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, taking up residence inside of Jesus, empowering Jesus's ministry. And, and so the Holy Spirit has been with them because he's been in Jesus as they've been going along. But Jesus is saying, he's been with you. Then after this, when I go away, he will live in you. He will live in you as he has lived in me. The implication in calling him the spirit of truth is, he's saying to the disciples, you've gotten your truth from me, but now you need to listen to him. Pay attention to him. So that's what we're going to consider this morning. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit has come to be in us, believers in Jesus? And how do we pay attention to the Spirit? So first, uh, I think it's very important for us to make a few things clear because there are ways that we talk about the Holy Spirit just kind of in conversation that can betray a, a perspective that might actually be unhelpful. And so I want to clarify a few things uh, at the outset. So the Holy Spirit is, I have a few things that the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God. He is uh, one of the three persons of the Godhead, right? We believe in a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one of the persons of the Godhead, meaning when we speak of the Holy Spirit taking up residence inside of someone, we are not speaking of something meager or something that is an effect of God. We are speaking of God himself coming to take up residence inside of those who believe in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. My goodness, the Holy Spirit is a person. So, you know, I'm not going to be like super stickler. But be careful in your conversations when speaking about the Holy Spirit to not say, God, we're so grateful for it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He is God. He is God. He is the one who takes up residence inside of us. In fact, um, you're going to hear me start to make this transition, and you may have even heard it in other places. Uh, instead of saying the Holy Spirit, you might just hear me say Holy Spirit, right? Even in speaking to you, because I'm speaking of a person and I'm not speaking of an item, right? I'm speaking of the God who is the person of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, he is active in the mundane, right? Why do I say that? Because our picture of the Holy Spirit is that he is only doing uh, very uh, miraculous things, right? He is only doing things uh, that we can witness with our eyes. He's performing healings and he's empowering them to cast out demons and that kind of stuff. And actually most of Jesus's effort in talking about the Holy Spirit here, he's instructing you in truth. That's what he does. He's active in things that we might consider to be very mundane. And the fourth thing about the Holy Spirit is that uh, the Holy Spirit is vital to Christian life. 
for you to be able to live as the Lord wants you to live requires the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it without him. You need his power in you to carry out the things that God desires for you to carry out, to be the person that you desire to be. You need him to tell you that you are a beloved child of God. You cannot believe that without him uh, witnessing that to your heart time and time again. The Holy Spirit is vital to the Christian life. He's vital. And so that's the point that Jesus makes here. If I go, you will need someone who clarifies things for you. Like, who will give you direction, who will bring understanding, and spirit of truth will do that. Okay, so we're going to jump around here a bit this morning, because the instruction that Jesus gives about the Holy Spirit, it's kind of weaved through all of his other instruction. So if you would, look at uh, John 16 with me. John 16, verse 12. This is what Jesus says. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So remember what we said earlier, that we bucket truth, that we suppress it, that we resist it, that we can't handle it, right? Apparently, Jesus acknowledges something similar with his disciples. Right? He's saying right now, there are categories of truth that you need to know, but you can't know them because you cannot handle them. Right? You can't handle the truth that I have to give. He's saying you lack the capacity to handle certain truth. Why? Well, I think there's two possible reasons, and I think it's perhaps a combination of both, right? So the first reason is we recognize as we read this passage and as we realize what's about to happen that this is an emotionally overwhelming moment. Like, just look at the number of times that Jesus, as he is speaking here, has to say, peace, peace. Let your heart be easy. Don't be overwhelmed by these things. I have overcome the world. He's reminding them time and time again to be at peace because this is an overwhelming moment, right? And so there's this reality that he's looking at kind of their emotional state and saying, this is just the result of this. You can't hear what I have to say right now. But I think it's more than that. I think the reality is, is they, they lack what they need spiritually to be able to bear the truth. They lack the things they need to be able to bear the truth. Because the reality is that there is something in us that is so broken, so afraid of truth, that unless God himself comes to live inside of us and heal us, we would never be able to bear the truth. Right? To say it another way, and this really is our main point this morning, Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to handle all the truth gives us the capacity to handle all the truth. So, uh, so there are three kind of chief categories. As Jesus is teaching through, there are chief, three chief categories that are implied by this passage. We're going to look at all three of them, but recognize that as we go through them, they are overlapping categories, right? So, so they're not exclusive to one another, but they kind of interact with each other. So the first category is this. Holy Spirit helps us handle Jesus glorifying truth. Holy Spirit helps us handle Jesus glorifying truth. John 16, verses 13 through 15. says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, 
But ever, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So get this, for Christians, the Holy Spirit increasingly convinces us of the glory of Jesus. Now, uh, if you weren't with us back at Christmas time at Advent, we talked about the idea of glory. We, we kind of reflected on it a lot. Glory literally refers to this idea of light or weight. But what it does is it speaks to the significance of something. So when we could talk of something have a lot, having a lot of glory, uh, literally what you would read is, is that they have a lot of light, right? But, but what it's saying is that that's a very significant thing. In fact, as we talk about Jesus' glory, we're talking about the most significant thing in all of the universe. Jesus is of greater significance to you than anything or anyone else possibly could be, right? He is, right, we sang about it this morning, he is worthy of everything. Right, so, so why is Jesus glorifying truth hard for us to handle? Well, when you grasp it, like when you actually realize he is worthy of everything, it requires a reorientation of your priorities. When you actually understand who he is, the level of significance that he has, it requires you to reorient your priorities. In fact, if you look at another verse in this passage, John 16, 2, Jesus says they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. Saying even your life, that, that when you become convinced of my glory, your life would become as nothing to you, right? Uh, you would be willing to lose your life for my sake, that you would be willing to lose your status. That what it, that's what it is to be put out of the synagogue. You, you, your ability to function within the Jewish community is completely separated from you. You have no place in that community now. And he's saying, this is what's going to happen to you. Right? It requires a reorientation of your priorities. And so it's much easier to avoid admitting that he is worthy of it all. Because if I avoid that truth, then I don't have to reorient my priorities. So the second question that I have is this then. How does the Holy Spirit increase our capacity for Jesus glorifying truth? Right, well, um, through time in the word, through worship, through fellowship with other believers, through prayer, the Holy Spirit interacts with us through all of those things and does this process of convincing our hearts, right? Because we can't handle the truth. Part of it is that our hearts do not want to believe the truth and the Holy Spirit is gracious and patient with us to actually convince our hearts of the worth of Jesus, right? As believers in him, he teaches us and guides us into learning who Jesus is because we are not inclined to see Jesus as having uh, a higher level of value than uh, perhaps the things that I own or a higher level of value than my career or the, a higher level of value uh, than the things that I have spent my life pursuing. But over time, as we trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit teaches our heart to actually see him in the position that he is. 
to have the capacity to bear that truth. He teaches us to love Jesus more than anything else in the world, right? To be in awe of what Jesus has been able to accomplish in the world, to value Jesus more highly than any of our earthly priorities to the point that we might actually let Jesus determine our earthly priorities. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He teaches us to put Jesus in the place that he already is. Okay, so that's the first category, that uh, the Holy Spirit helps us handle Jesus glorifying the truth. The second category is the Holy Spirit helps us handle sanctifying truth. So John 16, 13, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So, so to sanctify, when I say sanctify, it means to set something apart. Uh, we're in the middle of, a, if you're new with us, we're in the middle of a process of changing our name. Uh, in April, we are going to become Renovation Church. And uh, when we speak of renovation, when we use that name, what we're doing is we're actually speaking of the process of sanctification. The process of us being set apart. Actually, we're saying, like, Jesus makes us new. Right? He engages us in this process. There's a reality that, that, yes, indeed, when we believe, we become new creations. But then from there, we engage in kind of this process of receiving that renewal day by day in that kind of a way. And so when Jesus says here that he will guide you into all truth, what he's saying is he's using this word that means like to teach or to train or to bring up. The idea is that he is going to help grow you up into the truth. He's going to bring you along in the truth. He's going to give you what you need to make your way into the truth. Right, okay, so real talk. Why do we resist truth? Why do we get defensive when we encounter it? Why do we avoid dealing with it, right? All truth is God's truth, right? We're all on the same page about that. There is no truth that exists that is uh, not God's truth. All truth belongs to him. But sometimes we would like to avoid having to deal with it. So I want to present to you four possible reasons that we might be defensive against truth. Four reasons I am defensive against truth. The first is the truth threatens my well-being. Right, if I, uh, it's easier to avoid truth or to avoid admitting the truth because if I have to do that, um, I might lose something that is keeping me safe. Right, truth might lead me to lose something that is keeping me safe. That safe thing might be like social clout. Right, if, I, if I've earned enough credibility among my friends and neighbors uh, and, and I can tell some lies to keep that social clout, that social clout keeps me safe. And so I'm going to hold on to it, right? So, uh, so truth threatens my well-being. The truth threatens my reputation, right? That's another reason that I might be defensive, that I actually, it's very important to me that I am seen highly in the eyes of others, right? And sometimes to admit the truth means to be willing to let your reputation take a fall. The third reason is that the truth threatens my personal satisfaction, Right? And the fourth reason is that the truth threatens something I worship. Now, uh, now that one could be applied perhaps to all of them. 
but it still holds true. The truth threatens something I worship. These are the reasons that we might be defensive against the truth. Now, we're gonna keep these up here and, and kind of work through them. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit comes to guide us in to all the truth. He increasingly gives us the capacity to handle truths that we are inclined to avoid. He increasingly grounds us in Jesus' glorifying truth and from that place enables us to deal with all sorts of inconvenient truths. Right, so let's go through each one. Uh, number one, if you are a people pleaser in this room, uh, you are in good company, uh, you know, do you know what, what threatens your well-being or what you think threatens your well-being? when you can't make everyone happy. That is threatening to your well-being. And you know what? The Holy Spirit, as you trust him, he teaches your soul that there is no safer place to be than with Jesus. Like there is no place that is more wholesome, more safe for you, that, that even if your physical body were to be damaged because of something that you might lose in this world, the safest place that you could possibly be is with him because he holds your eternity in his hands. Um, how about number two? If you need the respect and high honor of other people, do you know what threatens your reputation? When you confess sin and wrongdoing to brothers and sisters, right? If, if it's important to you to be seen highly in the eyes of others, to admit that you are wrong is actually incredibly damaging. To, to admit that you might have a chink in your armor is a frightening thing to do because it threatens your reputation. It threatens how that person will perceive you. But as you get to know the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches your soul to actually believe like the most significant status that you could ever achieve in the world, which is a, a son, a daughter of the most high God, the one who is joined with Jesus in his inheritance. You know, we're called co-inheritors with Christ, that alongside him, things are handed over to us in eternity that are with Jesus, that we are lifted up to that high of a status alongside him. The Holy Spirit teaches your heart to find your identity in being a co-inheritor with Christ. And if that's where your identity is, then there's kind of no status that you can gain in this world that will compare to that. So the Holy Spirit teaches your soul that. Number three, if you are particularly adept at getting what you want and meeting all your desires, do you know what threatens your personal satisfaction? When Jesus tells you that you exist primarily to serve others. Right? Because you are not going to be inclined then to seek to serve yourself and fill yourself. And so the Holy Spirit has to teach your soul every one of the desires that you're trying to pursue in this world, it all points back to him in some way. And he's already met that desire in something that he's accomplished in the gospel. Right? And so the Holy Spirit teaches you that the fullness of your desires and the things that you're seeking in these different places have already been met in him. Met in him. And so it's easy to serve others when he has met the fullness of your desires. Number four, if you spend the vast majority of your time and money on fill in the blank. 
right? Because that's, that's what we worship with, right? We worship with our time, we worship with our money, we worship with the, the ways that we invest our skills. If you spend a vast majority of your time and money on entertainment, you know what threatens what you worship? When Jesus shows you that you might love that thing more than you love him. Right? That's, a, that's a threat, right? Because then that's gonna mean that you have to do something with that truth that you have to put it away, that you have to, I mean, these things, these things are not sin, often these things that we worship. But because of the place that they've taken up in our lives, we have to take a season and throw them away because our hearts are learning to love that more than we love Jesus, right? And so the Holy Spirit teaches our soul that actually the most worthy, the most loving, the, the most adored thing in all of creation is Jesus himself, and that's, he's the one that our hearts were made for. So in all of these, the Holy Spirit gives us both the capacity for truth and he increases our capacity for truth. So he gives us the initial capacity to begin dealing with it, but then from there, he gives us the capacity to increasingly deal with more and more truth that we might find uncomfortable, but that ultimately is helping us take steps of sanctification and growth. All of that truth is truth that we need to become the stories that God is writing about Jesus making things new. That's what we've been saying, right? We are Renovation Church. We are all as individuals, as we live in our spheres of influence, we are the stories that God is writing about Jesus making things new. And all of that truth is truth that is necessary for us to become what Jesus is making us into. All right, our third category this morning is this. The Holy Spirit helps us handle truth amidst falsehood. So right after Jesus tells them to love one another and warns them about the threat of the world, right? That's what we looked at last week. He says, love one another. And uh, the world is a a place that is gonna be set against you. The world will hate you. Right after he says that, in verse 26, he says this. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, whom proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus says, when I leave, you will need someone to tell you what is going on. Jesus says, Holy Spirit will do that. He will tell you who I am, right? He's gonna bear witness about me. He will tell you who I am. He will tell you where I've gone, He will tell you what position I sit in. He will tell you what I am doing. And then as he instructs you in those things, you will tell others. So what's about to happen in in their context, the disciples are actually, they're about to develop collectively a new line of doctrine and teaching that to this point has not been developed. Right, they, they, are, they are developing teaching based on what Jesus has said. As he has taken on flesh and instructed them, they're, they're trying to piece these things together. And they're going to be the ones responsible for compiling this and putting all of it together and teaching it to other people. They are about to develop the measuring stick against which all other teaching is to be measured. Now, of course, they're going to be picking up on what was already clear in the Old Testament. But at this point, where the disciples are, no one in any position of authority around them acknowledges the things that were clear about Jesus, right? So so it's with them. Truth is with them, and it's not with kind of the the synagogues, right? 
So the implication is, truth has been lacking up to this point, but you will be the ones to clarify it because Holy Spirit will clarify it to you. So, so that like untruth in doctrinal teaching will now be able to be determined by evaluating the degree to which it aligns with what the spirit of truth has taught to the disciples. And this presents a problem because that is truth that nobody else is aware of. That's truth that nobody else has, right? It's truth that, that only spirit of truth has and gives to the disciples, right? So this presents a problem. And so in John 16, 1 and 2, Jesus says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will call you liars and blasphemers when you speak what Holy Spirit teaches you. They will call your doctrine false. You will be excluded from the religious family that you have held dear your entire life. Jesus says, but I'm telling you what I'm telling you now so that you know when you receive this instruction, this is instruction from the living God. It is instruction from God himself, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father and the Son. I say this to you now so that when your security is threatened and when your life is on the line, you will know, and when they call you blasphemers and liars, you will know that the things you are saying are true because Holy Spirit has told them to you and you have told them to others. So in reality... God has given you these words and they are the ones promoting false doctrine, right? They are the ones who have been teaching this for all of these years and their doctrine has been uh, the, the false doctrine that's been promoted. You will have the true doctrine because Holy Spirit has spoken it to you. So, uh, so he's reminding them, them of this. It's gonna be really easy for them, right? If they don't know that it's God himself living inside of them and telling them these things, They've already accused Jesus of being of the devil. They've already accused Jesus of promoting false teaching and false doctrine. And so Jesus is making sure that they know that these words come from God himself. Because when they are accused of being blasphemers and when their life is threatened, they are going to be inclined to want to say, maybe it's not true. Jesus is increasing their confidence in what the Holy Spirit will have to say to them. So, for what it's worth, that's why we care about opening up our Bibles on Sunday and digging into Scripture. That's why it's valuable to memorize Scripture. That's why I teach uh, even intricate details about who the Holy Spirit is. That's why we speak of important doctrines together when we're here on Sunday morning because the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, has given us truth in a world that is full of lies. And the father of lies has an agenda to keep people from the truth, including us. And he will try everything that he can to carry out that agenda, even convincing people to become religiously devoted to another truth so that they miss the real truth. And in fact, that's, that's what 
John, who is the writer of this gospel, wrote in another one of his later letters. 1 John 4, 1 through 3, he says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, here's what John is doing. John is pointing out a teaching of falsehood that has arisen among the early Christians of that day. There are people who are coming along and saying, Jesus came, but Jesus was just the Spirit. That's all he was. He was just kind of floating around and, uh, you know, kind of always passing through walls, and he wasn't really physically human. And that has problems, right? Because for Jesus, like, to do what he does, he has to become like us in every way, right? That's what we've been instructed about him, that he became, that he took on flesh, that he became physical, and we could see and touch and feel him. Right? And so, so John is saying that, that those people are confessing, when they, when they say that he's just a spirit, that he's not in the flesh, they're, they're confessing a different Christ. Every person that says Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. He's giving them a tool by which to test the doctrines that they're hearing and the different teachings that they're hearing. And the point is to say the Holy Spirit is our guide in discerning truth from error. Yes, we have this example from John, but if we just track throughout history time and again, this is why we have the Bible, a thing, a, you know, teaching against which to measure the other teachings that come up so that we can discern truth from error. And this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. In all of these ways, the Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to handle all the truth. Okay, so what? So what? Uh, number one, I want to encourage you to build your personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. God has given us four primary ways that we can encounter what the Spirit is saying. And I want to explore those with you this morning. The first one is this. I just really encourage you to spend consistent time in prayer. If you are a believer in Jesus, can spend consistent time in prayer and solitude. And this is why because you get in the way too much. I get in the way too much. And the whole purpose of spending time in prayer and solitude is to learn how I can move me out of the way and that I can learn to listen more clearly to what the Spirit is wanting to do, what he's up to, the people that he's pinpointing in my life for me to minister to, the people that he wants me to reach out to, the things that he wants me to be aware of, right? But I can't pay attention to that if I am in the way. And so prayer and solitude enable me to get out of the way. The second piece that I would give you is spend reflective time in the word. In fact, you might do one and two together, right? As you read the Bible, don't just read it to accomplish a task. Read it reflectively, that you would discover, you know, what is, what, what's the situation that I'm in right now? What is God saying in this passage? But then how does this meet me where I am and call me to a response from this place? Right? How does Jesus want me to respond right now? How is this shaping and forming me? What is he changing in me? Right? The third piece that he's 
given us to encounter what the Spirit is saying is that we have authentic relationship with other believers. That as we spend time in relationship with each other, and the, the nice thing about this is, say you miss one and two, right? You fail to hear what the Spirit has to say to you uh, as you spend time in solitude and prayer, and you fail to hear what the Spirit has to say to you as you've read the Word and it's exposed something, but you've kind of ignored it. The nice thing is he gives us the third piece, right? He gives us other brothers and sisters who can come alongside us, and you know what? They're full of the Holy Spirit too, right? So that when they see something, they could, they could say, hey, I think God might be doing this in your life and I want to make you aware of it. Now, you don't have to take their word for it. You know what you have? You have the gifts of other brothers and sisters too who you can say, you know what? This brother uh, said this thing to me and I want to take it to you and I just want to present, like open up my life to you. Do you see this thing that they said? And so as you listen to more and more people, right, this is the gift. We don't just have us in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have uh, people among us, our brothers and sisters, who have all been filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're all meant to sharpen each other. And then the fourth piece is uh, he has given us mutual submission to spiritual leadership and church family. Right? So, so there are times that I've had ideas that I thought were from the Spirit that died in an elder meeting because I need to trust the Spirit's work through the other people who have been placed in authority in this church. I need to trust the Spirit's work through them when I'm listening to something else beside the Spirit. Okay, so, so these, are, these are tools, all tools that, the, uh, that God has given us as, as means by which we can encounter what the Spirit is saying. So then I want to ask you this for a second, so what? What truths are you prone to avoid? Ask the Spirit for help. Are you afraid of speaking to your coworker of the truth about Jesus? You know what? Jesus teaches your soul, the Holy Spirit teaches your soul to find safety in your identity in Jesus and then from that place of peace and security to speak freely about him. Like whatever you think you'll lose because of the truth, he gives back to you a hundredfold in the promises of the gospel. The Spirit assures your heart of the truth of the gospel and increases your capacity to deal with any truth and especially the truths that you find most threatening. Would you pray with me, please? Holy Spirit, I am grateful for your work inside of us and I trust you to do the work in each person here that you desire to do. Would you make us more open to your work and help us to be more aware of the ways in which we get in the way so that you might do the work that you desire to do. Make us the people that you desire us to become. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.